0: Hey everyone, before we get into this episode, we wanted to give you a quick heads up that we were originally planning to interview a disability advocate for this week's slot as a way to wrap up Disability Pride Month. We had some scheduling issues, so I've pushed that episode to next week, where we'll be sitting down with Dinesh Palipana, who shares his absolutely incredible story, which he's written about in his recently released book, Stronger. So stay tuned for that one, because it's such an empowering, inspiring, and beautiful conversation speaking with him.
1: We also wanted to give you a heads up on the card games which we announced that we'll be releasing. We had some delays with manufacturing, but we're now back on track and should be live in the next couple of weeks. If you want to learn more about this new venture of ours, check out episode 37 where we discussed it and stay in the loop with any updates by following us on Instagram at stuckinbetween_podcast. underscore podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Stuck In Between podcast. My name is Romi
0: And I'm Sandon. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we speak with Canada-based digital creator, Thea Kanisha. Thea started her incredible career as a content creator almost a decade ago and was one of the very first South Asian women to build an influential social media profile. Since then, she's grown her community by continuing to create relevant, practical and empowering content that we can all relate to.
1: We're not exaggerating when we say that even through video call, Thea was such a kind soul and radiated very positive energy. She was so open to sharing her story, her struggles, her wins and everything in between, but also discussed the stigmas around digital creators and influencers, the changing social media landscape and the drive that pushes her to chase her dreams, as well as so much more.
0: Let's get into it.
1: Dayal, thank you so much for joining us. Crazy to think that I've actually followed you on socials for a while now, and I know a lot of others sort of in my similar circle have also been, and at least within my radar, I feel like you're one of the sort of OG people in the South Asian (laughs) community, particularly women who had kind of really gone into this social media space and explored something new. So we're so grateful to have you on our podcast.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to chat with you both.
1: With the line of work that you do, we really see the outgoing and creative side of yourself on camera, and we love watching all of your videos, and we'll talk about them in a little bit later, but how would you describe yourself when the cameras aren't on?
2: So I think that's one of the assumptions about content creators is they're all outgoing, but I'm actually quite an introvert, um, so I think I'm a little bit more reserved in my day-to-day life. Right. But with regards to my personality, there's this silly, goofy side of me that only my closest friends and family get to see. Mm. My boyfriend's always telling me, like, you should share more of that goofy side of yourself on social media. But I think it's really hard to kind of be vulnerable and show right. a 360 version of you because you're putting yourself out there and there's no like safety blanket. Mm. So I think naturally all of us as content creators we have a little part of ourselves that we keep to ourselves you kind of get to see that when i do little funny skits with my boyfriend i try to show my little like funny side in that way but even then it is a little bit rehearsed Mm. but yeah I think when people meet me they say I'm very similar to what I am online in the sense that I think I can make conversation with pretty much anyone and I like to think I'm very kind to everyone that I meet but yeah there's definitely parts of me that you don't see online that only my closest friends and family see
0: Mm. yeah for sure it's interesting because I think the general assumption about content creators and influencers online is that they would be more extroverts given the nature of your role. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you say that the version of yourself today is different to the version of yourself growing up as a child?
2: So as a child, I was very quiet and shy and reserved and not to get too deep, but I'm sure a lot of South Asians can agree. We don't always grow up in the healthiest home environments, especially when we immigrate to a new country. Our parents are going through so many new hardships and they don't always Process it in the healthiest way. So sometimes Mm. we don't grow up in the best environment. So as a child, I was more just on survival mode. I grew up with a mom that was a single mom for most of my life. So there was just a Mm. lot of hardships I went through. So I was very, very reserved as a child. Um, And it wasn't until my adult years when I really started to come out of my shell that I became my most authentic self, I think, because as a child, I don't think I was able to explore my personality because we kind of just focused on how do we get by? How do we get food on the table? So I'm very different. And I thank social media a lot for the confidence I've gained. Mm. Even before I started social media, like when I was in high school, if I used to be so scared to give presentations, like my entire body would shake. And you know, in university, you're selecting courses. I would Mm. go into the course description and say, which classes need me to give presentations?
0: To avoid it? And yeah. if they
2: have a presentation, I would be like, I'm not taking this. Like, mm. I can't yeah. deal with it. Um, so now that I've been on social media, I think I still get quite nervous yeah. for this, but I'm so much more confident now than I was even just a few years ago.
0: Wow. Yeah. I did the exact same thing looking at my course guide and looking yeah. at which ones have presentations, which have group work. Yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I feel
2: so much better knowing I wasn't the only one. <laughs>
0: Um, before you started digital creation and your career as an influencer what were you doing before that
2: so I still work nine to five I work in learning and development it's pretty much what I've done since I graduated Um, I did accounting in school I got an accounting job I hated it I quit and I came into learning and development it was the best decision I made But I will say I am taking steps to transition into full-time content creation because I'm somebody that has been taught to stay away from risk because as South Asians, Mm. our parents just want to protect us. What they know is, If you're a teacher if you're a lawyer if you're a doctor you'll be successful you'll have money and you'll be fine but i think us as children of immigrants we want to do more we don't want to be just fine we want to go the next level we want to be as successful as we can be Um, so for me content creation allows me to do that i've been really successful in terms of working with brands and getting really amazing opportunities but i always stopped myself from taking the next step because and scared of that risk. Mm. We just grow up in a way where we're sheltered and told to stay within that box that's safe. Yeah. Um, so I will put it out there in the universe. I am taking steps to make this full time because it's so hard working nine to five and doing yeah. content creation. It's like having two full time jobs. Um, that's
0: crazy. I didn't know that you were working full time yeah, as well. I just assumed are. that because of how much content you're putting out and how busy your lifestyle seems to be, that this was your full-time gig. That's insane.
2: Mm. Yeah. And
1: it goes to show that these things can take time as well, right? To build up the courage to take that risk for yourself. Like we're often like, yeah, "Yeah, just take the risk, just quit your job. And it's very like, I don't know, romanticized in a way, whereas it's not Mm. as simple as that. Like you do also have to be practical about your life and maybe it can take some time to get yourself to a point where you're like, okay, maybe it will be less of a risk if I do it now. And I like I can totally resonate yeah. with that type of thinking too. How do you balance your life given that you are doing full-time work as well as content creation? Because I also had no idea that you do that.
2: I honestly don't know how I do it either. Yeah. I think I am so passionate about what I do. It's not just about styling outfits. There's so much that goes into content creations just yeah. from creating the concept for the videos, to taking the photographs or editing the video, to analyzing the analytics that are presented to you and seeing how can I make my platform grow? How can I be better for my community and serve my community better? So there's so much that goes into the entire content creation aspect of it but I'm so passionate about it like it makes me excited after I work my nine-to-five I'm excited to get on my computer and edit my videos or respond Mm -hmm. to my emails and I think that's Mm -hmm. the only reason I was able to keep it up for as long as I did is because I enjoyed so much and that's why I think it's so important for us to create content that we love we can't just create content because we want to have a platform or Mm -hmm. you know get followers or get PR packages or be invited to events. You really have to love what you're doing in order to sustain a long term without getting burnt out.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What then prompted you to first start posting? So you said you were doing accounting, you didn't like it, you went into learning and development. Mm-hmm. But then from there, how did you end up on social media?
2: I always loved styling outfits and mm-hmm. when I first started, this was the time when there was Lookbook. I don't know if they have that in Australia, but it's like a platform similar to Instagram where you post your outfits. And because I was such a shy child, I didn't have a creative outlet for example I wanted to do so much like I wanted to be a cheerleader I wanted to be a singer I wanted to do so many things but because I was so shy I couldn't get myself to take that step to go to the class Mm. so I would like style my outfits at home and ask my mom to take photos of me and I would like upload it to the site um and I didn't really get anywhere with that but I just kept going when YouTube started Mm. I started posting videos there that's where a lot of my very first followers found me and then when Instagram came about I just naturally started doing it and we are here now it all started with just my love for wanting to style outfits
1: yeah wow that's awesome i know you mentioned before that you have been doing it for so long and it's it's your passion really that's led you to be able to continue doing that but it must be so difficult because you've been on social media from like 2014 or something if i'm not wrong yeah, was that around a long the time, time. That you started yeah that's like 8 years ago now yeah. how have you maintained the relevancy over that period because we'll talk about this in a little bit more as well but you know there's yeah. obviously a lot of content creators out there and there's so much content that's consistently being put in front of people. So it must be hard to maintain that relevance. How have you done that?
2: Yeah, I think I just focused on creating content that I loved while also evolving Mm. with the social media space. Mm. Because I do think if you focus on how do I stay relevant, it can harm your creative process because you're thinking more about how do i make people watch me rather than focusing on what do i enjoy creating because it really comes through in your content when you enjoy what you're creating Um, so I think I've honestly just focused on that Mm. also because I had my job to fall back on so I think it Mm. helped knowing that even if I didn't make money on social media I have a job so I never focused on how do I maintain my growth how do I maintain my community I just focused on let me share what I love let me give my community what they want if it resonates with them they'll stick around with me and if it doesn't then I would still keep doing it because yeah. I love doing it. Mm. That also kind of goes into why it's so scary for us to pursue contraception full-time. A lot of my friends who are in contraception actually do it part-time with the full-time job because it's scary to know that if you do it full-time and all of a sudden people decide they don't want to follow you, your whole source of income is gone, right? That's mm. the risk you're taking again. But if you don't take that risk, you don't know, how big your potential can be and you don't know what is exactly out there that
0: could make it great Mm. yeah now it makes a lot of sense and I think you alluded to a few things that we want to come back to later in the episode as well Um, I can imagine being in the space that you are you need to have certain personality traits to succeed in being a digital creator for example I think you'd need to have thick skin to deal with trolls and haters online Mm. what are some of the characteristics that you think someone needs to possess to succeed in the digital creation space
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think I have extremely thick skin, even though I'm like, very shy. I am not one to get affected by anyone's comments. And I think it's because like, as a child, I grew up with so much hardships, that when someone Mm. messages and says, you're so ugly, or whatever it may be, I'm like, that's the simplest of worries if I'm ugly that's (laughs) a very simple worry to have in the world so I think my childhood really helped prepare me for this so I definitely think that's important but I also think hard work and consistency, I guess it kind of goes hand in hand because if you're working hard, you'll be consistent. If you're consistent, you're obviously working hard. And just like quickly note, consistency is different for every platform. Consistency Mm. for me might be every day, but that doesn't mean everyone else has to do that. It really depends on your platform, your brand, your community. Mm. So yeah, I think those two, qualities are really important as
0: well yeah well firstly yeah it's great to hear that you do have thick skin and you're able to manage Mm -hmm. situations like that Mm. it sucks to hear that people speak to you in that way but i'm not surprised obviously being in the space that you are that you do have people come at you like that um when you get messages like that are you kind of confronted Mm. that people treat each other behind the screens messaging random people that we don't know to give our opinions and say these horrible things
2: Mm. To be honest, I think when we look at the messages we get, 99.9% are probably positive. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we focus on the negative because all the positive comments don't really catch your eye. But that one negative comment where they're saying something horrible, everyone gravitates towards that because you're like, oh my gosh. So you kind of focus on the negative aspect of it. But I think as a whole, I receive 99.9% positive comments in comparison to the negatives. But when I do receive it, it does surprise me. I think sometimes we feel like it's normalized, but it's really not. Mm. And I just try to remember that I would never leave a message like that to anyone. Mm. People in my life would never do that as well. So for someone to do that means they're obviously going through something, some sort of a mental health issue. And I don't fully understand that. And that's completely okay. Because I am obviously in a position of privilege, where I am able to have a support system around me, I have a house over my head, I have food on the table, I go to therapy, if I ever feel like I'm going through a hard time, I'm very privileged, someone else might not be privileged, they might not be able to access the resources Mm. to help them with their mental health problems so i try to look at it in that way so that i don't get affected by what they're going through because it's really not our problem it's someone else who's struggling and you can't wish them the worst because they're probably already going through the worst
0: wow that's such a healthy attitude
2: i know that's such a great
1: approach i've never actually heard someone talk about it like that before because you hear a lot of the time and it must be so difficult to actually not get affected by these types of comments like i'm so glad you don't but you know i listened to like for example emma chamberlain i was listening to her podcast and she was saying like there was one time where she saw this guy put her in like a video compilation of the most um, prettiest girls and thousands of comments were like, Oh, why would you put Emma on there? She's mm-hmm. so ugly. And she went back onto her Instagram and wanted to just archive all her photos. And she like went through like a breakdown yeah. and she recorded this and put this out on her podcast mm-hmm. and I uh, listening to this yesterday. So it's like, probably so easy to go down that rabbit hole Mm. although you know that there are probably so many positive comments as well and you know if you know yourself you know that you shouldn't really get affected by this stuff but It must be so difficult. I'm so glad that you have found this type of way of dealing with it. Um, For our last episode, we end our episodes on a thought-provoking question. And the question was, what is a struggle that you've been through that is now a superpower Mm -hmm. of yours? And I feel like what you faced as a child, Mm -hmm. you really harnessed that as a superpower. And it's really fantastic to see that. So
2: thanks for sharing that. Of course. It's a beautiful way to put it. I love that.
0: (laughs) Definitely. Um, So I guess from someone who isn't too privy in the influencer and digital creator space, Um, you can obviously see that there's like a really glamorous side where you're being invited to events, you're getting to travel, you're getting brand deals. But of course, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we wouldn't be exposed to, one of which was the trolls that you would have in your DMs that we just spoke to. Could you shed a little light on the other struggles or challenges that you face within the space that you are that people who aren't involved in that sphere wouldn't fully be aware that those are things that you have to navigate?
2: Yeah, I think there's quite a lot of hurdles that everyone might not be familiar with. For me specifically, when I started out, I was one of the only South Asian creators on the social media space Mm. so I was investing a lot of my time and a lot of my money so just as a fashion creator you need to be able to buy clothes so you can style outfits Mm. and you have to invest in the camera equipment the video equipment but even more importantly than money there's a lot of time being invested you're working or you're going to school and then after Mm. you can't just sit and relax and watch Netflix which everyone needs I'm constantly responding to emails or editing videos but it's so important for every single person to have the time to refresh Mm. so that their creative process is not harmed in the making or you don't get burnt out so I was investing a lot of time a lot of money and I wasn't getting anything back I wasn't getting opportunities I saw my counterparts in the same industry working just as hard as me but they were getting way more opportunities than me because brands weren't as inclusive or diverse when I started out so that was a huge struggle for me Um, It wasn't until recent years when brands started realizing how important representation is that I started getting those opportunities, but it wasn't always like that. And even to this day, we know that a lot of brands work with certain creators because they have to meet a certain number of diverse creators they have to work with. So you still... I don't think have those equal opportunities so especially as a south asian creator i feel like we have to work twice as hard Mm. in order to get the same opportunities feel seen be invited to events and Mm. be on the brand's radar so that's hard specifically to me as a south asian creator other than that um i think a huge struggle is As creators, especially ones with full time jobs, we miss out on a lot of moments. So, for example, when I'm on vacation, there are times where I want to ensure I'm taking advantage of the opportunity to create content for my community. So I'm not in the moment. Mm. Do I enjoy it? I love it. I love creating content on vacation. But do I ever look back and think, I wish I had just a few more moments to myself, not focused on the content creation space. There's also like the weekends. I can't remember the last time I just slept in on a weekend. Mm. I just want to be able to sleep in and not feel guilty. But mm. I'm always just working on the weekends, working on the weeknights. And I think people don't see how much we give up because content creation seems so easy. We're just mm. in front of the camera smiling, putting a sari on. But they don't realize that took two hours to film, two hours to mm. edit. And there's so much that goes into it. People don't realize the time that we invest just to create good content that our community will appreciate. Mm.
0: It's interesting because just from the outside looking in, I would assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would assume that versus maybe five, 10 years ago, where if you talked about a digital creator or an influencer, or content creator, maybe the language or the stigmas were a little different to Mm. how they are now. Not to say that everyone understands it and appreciates the effort that goes into what you're speaking to, But I think now people do tend to recognize the time and effort and labor that goes into the work that you do. And it's not just, you know, posting a video and getting Mm -hmm. X amount of money from a brand. There's obviously a lot of thought and effort that goes into doing what you do I yeah. think you said you end up spending two and a half hours shooting uh, preparing and everything for what ends up being maybe yeah. a 10 second clip online mm. exactly. um, do you feel like the attitudes towards the creator space has changed in that way or do you think this is just something that I'm assuming but in reality it hasn't maybe made the same distance that I think it might
2: I think it has definitely changed in some ways, but I think there's still a lot of stigma attached to it. So me and my partner actually talked about this recently because I'm always telling him, I say, I want to quit my job and do kind creation full time. I'm doing well. I deserve this. I want to chase after my dreams, And he always encourages and pushes me to do so. And one of the topics we kind of talked about when we do have these conversations is, we do feel like there's a difference in me saying, hey, my name's Dia, I work for one of our big five banks in learning and development, versus me saying, hey, my name's Dia, I'm a content creator. Mm. There's this stigma associated with content creation that doesn't always earn you the respect. There might be some individuals that do look at it with respect, but I do feel like with the office corporate job, we never have to feel like, Uh, should I tell them I do content creation Mm. full-time whereas with content creation I think we'll hesitate especially with the older generation our parents how do we even explain it to some of our aunts and uncles Mm. another topic that my partner and I always talk about I wish he was here maybe next time we can do one with both (laughs) of us but he was telling me that when we first started out we weren't always looked at with admiration. So when we have like a 1,000 followers and we're posting videos of ourselves getting dressed, people didn't always come and say, wow, that's amazing Dia, like that looks really cool, you're doing amazing. It was more of what are you doing? That's so cringy or Mm. like comments like, oh, you think you're so popular. Whereas now, now that we're working with big brands, we do have a lot of support from people saying you're doing amazing. We're so happy to see someone in our community doing so well, which I'm so grateful for that support. But I just kind of wanted to touch on it because. I, as a creator, I've grown such a large platform and I've worked with so many brands that people can now look at me and say, you're doing amazing. But it's hard for someone just starting out. I can see why they might face a lot of stigma and why they might face a lot of criticism or people making fun of them for doing something they're simply just passionate about. So I do think I'm a little privileged in the sense that because I build my platform, I probably don't face it, but I do think there are a lot of creators with smaller followings who probably do face it. Mm.
1: Mm. No,
2: nah, it makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, it does. And you mentioned before, like, it's actually so hard to explain what a digital creator is, particularly to certain demographics. And I like how you mentioned that, you know, there is a level of respect in air quotes that comes up when you do say you've got a corporate job versus a social media or a digital creator job. And I never thought of it that way because you'd think that particularly, I guess in the creative space with Sandin and I doing podcasting, for example, we have so much respect for digital creators mm. because, you know, we can understand how much time mm. it can take, particularly when you are trying to juggle two things at once. Mm. How do you explain your digital creator. I will not even call it a side hustle. I feel like it's your main thing. You're doing two main things at once. But how do you actually go about explaining that to aunts and uncles or other people? Do you just say that? I mean, they obviously know you're doing this as well, right? Because of your social media presence.
2: To be honest, I don't think I really explain it only because I have a full-time job. So if it ever comes up, what do you do? I kind of just talk about my full-time job and I don't really touch on the content creation space. I also feel like, I don't know if it's a South Asian thing, but I feel like I downplay a lot of my accomplishments because I can easily say, hey, I create content online, but I work with these really big brands and I get all of these amazing opportunities. But I hate the idea of sharing that. And it's not just Mm. with aunts and uncles. Even when I meet people that are in my age group, I still hesitate sharing about certain successes because I don't know. I don't know why we do it. But I feel like, I don't know if you guys can relate, but I feel like I downplay my accomplishments a lot. And my boyfriend ends up telling them, hey, she actually has a huge following and she works with amazing brands. She's doing amazing, but unless he steps in and says that, I'll just be like, yeah, I I work at a bank and yeah, I work in Lending and Dope but I never really (laughs) like share my big accomplishments with anyone. Yeah.
1: I feel like we're taught humility from a young age. Maybe that's what it is. And not that it's not humble to actually share your accomplishments. If anything, it's a good thing, but yeah, I think we're taught that. And in Australia, um, There's like tall poppy syndrome as well. Whenever, you know, people feel like you're maybe doing a little above or better than others, they're kind of like, oh, look at this person go, like they think they're better than us. So I think that kind of reflects into our day to day and and not wanting to actually share a lot of our accomplishments as well. Yeah,
0: no doubt. You spoke to this a little before, but could you give us a bit of the behind the scenes of what your creative process is like?
2: Yeah, of course. So I can kind of tell you what I do when I work with brands, because I feel like I'm a bit more structured when I do work on campaigns, because when it comes to just my own content, I just focus on what do I love doing? And I kind of put something together. And I'm pretty fluid with it. Uh, but when I'm working with brands, it starts with them sharing their brief and what they expect. And I kind of review it and see what's authentic to my page, what stands out to me, what can I speak on. And I create this entire concept on what my video is going to be about. So I am literally such a type A that I literally <laughs> plan every single one of my shots. Like if it's a video where I'm waking up for my bed, I'll be like first frame bed. I wake up <laughs> and put my arms up. I yawn, I look at the camera, smile because on the day of shooting, I want to reduce the amount of stresses as much as possible. So I don't want to wake up, get ready to shoot and think, okay, what do I do in this shot? Where is the camera position? I just want to have it all planned out. So on the day of shooting, all I'm doing is looking at my script and doing exactly what it says. So once I have the concept, obviously it's shared with the brand and if they say it's good to go, usually there's a bunch of revisions made. So the brand will say, we don't like this part. Can you change it? So we revise it, send it back. So there's a lot of back and forth with that. And once everyone's happy with it and I make sure everything's authentic to me, then I'll start the filming process. But even before the filming process, I also do have to go and make sure my outfit is styled properly because Mm. my main niche is fashion whether it's South Asian fashion or my everyday wear so I always make sure that when I work with brands that part of me still shines through because a lot of my audience started following me for either my South Asian outfit or for my everyday wear so I make sure I style my outfit correctly then we go to the filming process. If there's any dynamic shots, I'll get my boyfriend to help me out for the day. Mm-hmm. And then once the filming process is over, which is probably the most tiring part of the campaign process then I'll do the editing which takes quite some time and then you share it with the brand the brand comes back and says can you write this this and this so there's the entire editing process and then there's the process of creating the captions sharing that with the brand making sure everything's authentic to you and the brand and then it will be the go live date I'm sure I missed a little bit here and there but it's a very lengthy process with a lot of back and forth with the brand as well Mm. yeah
0: it sounds like that it sounds like that there's a lot more than meets the eye what's your process like when you're creating your own videos though because i'd assume there's a more creative license when it comes to that um yeah. something that Romy and i like we'll send each other some of the posts that you and your boyfriend yeah. do on instagram yeah. because we love the cuts that you guys do
1: yeah it's so good so as
0: i guess a follow-up yeah. question what's it like working with your partner and who comes up with those ideas um if i was yeah. i feel like i'd get yeah. i kind of want to keep those two <laughs> domains probably separate um, what's it like working with your partner in that regard
2: so when I'm working on my own content, there is way less stress because I'm not working for a client. This is mm-hmm. my space to just be creative and do what I enjoy. I don't have to follow certain guidelines. I don't need to make sure the lighting is perfect because who cares if there's shadows in the shot. Um, so I feel a lot less stressed and a lot less pressured. I love working with brands, but the reality is that they booked you and they have a certain mm-hmm. expectations that you have to meet and um when I'm doing my own videos I think I'm a little bit more myself for example if I'm filming stories and I mispronounce a word who cares it's just my stories my audience gets to see a side of me whereas if I'm doing a story for a brand I had to make sure everything is said correctly so in Mm. that sense I do feel like you can be a little bit more yourself and not so scared to make mistakes when you're creating your own content um working with my partner (laughs) so I think it worked out perfectly because my partner was in the modeling space when he Mm. met me so he was modeling for some pretty cool brands when we kind of met so we shared that creative passion Mm. and I actually pushed him to do more content creation because I saw the potential in him because I'm sure, you know, there's not a lot of South Asian men in content creation, right? Especially in fashion. And he loved video editing. He still loves videography. Like he wants to buy every camera he comes across. (laughs) Um, So I kind of pushed him into that. So I do think we work well because we share the same passion. But there's Mm. definitely times where our personalities clash because I'm like, we have to film at 9am so that we can go and do other things the rest of the day and my boyfriend's like sleeping in being like uh can we just push it back to 11 and because i'm a type a i'll be like no we said 9 (laughs) a.m so we do clash in that way sometimes yeah i think for the most part because we enjoyed so much it's actually such a huge help that he understands what i do because one when i'm working on campaigns i don't have to hire a videographer he can just help me do it Mm. so i'm reducing costs for us and then for example, when we're on vacation and I'm, I want to stop because I want to take a photo here, he never gets annoyed because he knows that I'm doing yeah. it for a job and he understands that aspect of it. Whereas yeah. I can see, for example, if he was in contribution and I wasn't, I would probably get upset if we have to take time away from our vacation to stop and take a photo of yeah, like a yeah. coffee shop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that it makes.
1: seems sense. like both
0: of you are the best cheerleaders for one another. Love it. I
1: know. It's yeah. so <laughs> lovely. And I'm sure you bring different <laughs> parts of your strengths or your interests into those shoots as well. Right. Like mm. him previously yeah. being a model, like, is he like, Oh, you should do this pose. You should do yeah. that. Like while you're doing the shoots and then you're encouraging him to do, you know, more content creation overall. Does it work that way sometimes? Yeah.
2: You know what? I'm the one who usually shouts out instructions. To me, <laughs> really? like, Put your hand in your pocket. <laughs> do this. But he does bring a lot of strength. So, for example, he is a huge extrovert. He can get along with anyone. Right. That's why like, I would love to do a future episode with both of us because I think we would all really vibe. He plays off everyone's energy really well. So, when right. we're working on campaigns he really connects well with the brand that we're working with right. it's something i actually yeah. learned from him to network better mm. and he's also very good at just going with the flow so let's say right. for example we're out shooting and we get told that the park is closing at four and i'm like oh my god we have to shoot for the campaign now we don't have a location he's very good at being like that's okay we'll figure it out we'll find another, mm. another location whereas yeah. as i act like it's the end of the world at chase. <laughs> So we have different strengths that we kind of play off each other. Nice. That, that. That's
1: awesome. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, So you mentioned this before as well, but you're probably one of the first South Asian women to really come up in the content creator space all those years ago. And we've spoken about how it's, I suppose, like an unconventional career path. Did you receive any type of backlash because you decided to do this career path? I mean, I know you kept your full time job, so Mm. I I don't know how much backlash you received in terms of like, oh, you left a job and you're taking this risk. But just in terms of doing this type of career where you're so prevalent online, did that bring upon backlash for you?
2: so I don't think my choice to do content creation ever brought backlash like I don't think anyone ever said to me why are you putting yourself out there
1: right Uh,
2: my family has always been very supportive Mm -hmm. but I do receive backlash for other things um For example, my choice of clothing or certain things I do in my videos, I definitely have my share of backlash. Mm. I have had people make comments online, so not in my daily life. So it doesn't affect me. I think if someone close to me said this to me in person, it would upset me. But because it's online, it doesn't. So I have Mm. comments such as like, go get a job, for example. And because I have a job, I can be like, I do have a job. But the thing is, I shouldn't have to feel like I have to say that because someone who does this full time is not any less because Mm. they choose to pursue this path. So and going back to why it's so hard to pursue content full time because those are other things I would have to deal with where someone says, what do you do all day? Just dance around and make videos, go get a job. I would have to find ways to be able to share my thoughts in a way that well most likely i wouldn't respond to those trolls but it is something i do have to keep in mind is i can't fall back and say i do have a job anymore i have to be able to defend Mm. what i do and be proud of Mm. what i do um so yeah i definitely have had trolls say make comments like that but i've never had to deal with it in my personal life with people that are close to me i've never been put down for it Mm. yeah
0: no that's great to hear i guess because you are paving in your way you are going to get people questioning things whether they be justified or not mm. I guess it's not surprising that you are facing those kind of mm-hmm. questions and concerns from people who probably shouldn't be sharing and just minding their own business um, one yeah. thing that we love about the content that you put out is that you also bring a lot of influence from our culture yeah do you feel a sense of responsibility to bring that culture into the content you're creating or is it something that you're proud of and just came naturally to you to be posting about
2: Yeah, I think it just came naturally to me because when I first started posting it, I didn't even realize that it was going to be such a big deal. I used to just post my everyday outfits and because I go to weddings, one day I just decided to post my sorry looks. And I received so much love and I was like, oh, people like it. And mm. I started posting more of it, but then it wasn't just love. I got messages saying, for example, oh, my gosh, it's so nice to see someone that looks like me wearing their sari so proudly because I get made fun of this. Or right. people saying, wow, I can't believe you're working with such a big brand. I feel like I can do it, too, because we're both South Asian. I didn't feel like this was something that was a freak to me. And you have to keep in mind that this is not now. This is when I first started, when it wasn't normal for brands to work with South Asian creators. So just to see South Asian creators with cultural clothing on Instagram, the industry wasn't so saturated back then. It was very much only a few creators sharing our cultural looks. Um, yeah. So I think when I first started doing it, it was so authentic to me that it was never forced at any point. It was just part of my journey. And when I started receiving those messages from girls telling me that it made such a huge difference in their life, I remember thinking to myself I always want to incorporate my South Asian attire into my brand because I see what an impact it has on other girls and Mm. I know how important representation is because growing up I'm sure you guys can relate when we turn on the tv or flip through a magazine we never saw people that looked like us Mm. so when I realized what an impact it made just to see me in a sari on Instagram Mm. to other brown girls I was like I got to make sure it's always part of who I am. But I always made sure I was true to myself. So if there was ever a period where I felt like I don't feel like styling South Asian outfits, I never forced myself to do it Mm. because I want my love for my culture and my cultural attire to always be there. I don't want it to be an obligation. Mm. So I just kind of went with what felt right to me. And I'm not saying I'm making this huge difference in this world, but whatever little part I play in helping other brown South Asian women feel seen or feel represented. I'm so happy to play that little part. Mm.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. And I think you're also like proving that you don't need to be one or the other, you can be both. And mm. it's not mm. a, a binary sort of definition of who we are, which is, yeah, amazing.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, With all this, I guess the fact that you do incorporate your culture into your looks and the fact that you are, you know, a proudly Tamil woman, do you feel like you have a sense of responsibility to act in a particular way? Or be a certain way because of your background, like you're talking about how sometimes you get backlash for the clothes you wear, which is like classic, Mm. you know, we've all, all women have pretty much faced that probably, but do you feel that sense of responsibility or like you mentioned, you're true to yourself. So have you been able to find a balance somewhere in between?
2: I think I definitely found a balance mm. I know a lot of my South Asian friends they share with me that their peers didn't let them wear certain clothes so they kind of had to like mm. cover themselves up go out and like take off their sweater when they're in <laughs> the club or at a party but I never had to do that because my mom never ever told me what to wear she just mm. knew that I would know how to dress for the occasion so I'm not going to be wearing like a mini skirt at a religious function but if I want to Mm. wear that out with my friends she never ever shamed me for it I actually Mm. remember one moment that always stands out to me is one time I was wearing this Skirt that was like about my knees and someone in the community made a comment about it and my mom said that's totally okay when I was studying in India I loved wearing skirts up to my knees which is so funny because back then it was such a big deal um yeah. but she was saying I wore what I wanted to do when I was studying in India and there was nothing wrong with it so this is their generation they want to wear a mini she can do what she wants she's not doing anything wrong that memory always stood out to me because I remember thinking to myself that's right I'm not doing anything wrong this is my body and if I want to wear a mini skirt and I'm not harming anyone that's totally okay so I kind of kept that with me as I grew older and I always had a very positive view on my body and how I dressed as long as I'm not harming anyone it's totally okay so when I came on social media my style has always been quite modest when I was growing up so I never really showed any cleavage or wore anything too revealing so I never had that issue but as I grew older I grew older on social media people saw me grow older Mm. and they saw me wear things that were a little bit more revealing and I always just straight true to me, if I wanted to wear something that covered myself up, I wore it. If I wanted to wear something that was a bit more revealing, I just wore it. Mm. But when my platform grew, I started to see that backlash where God forbid, I wore a bikini at a beach. Oh my God, there was like a riot in the comment section. Like, how dare you wear this? Like, this is not a good family woman. You wore a sari last week and now you're wearing this. But because I grew up with my mom never shaming me for my body, I never let that get Mm. to me and I never let that stop me from posting what I wanted to post. If I wore a bikini at a beach, there's nothing wrong with me sharing it online. Why should I be ashamed of what I wear? um, There might have been other reasons why I chose not to post certain photos in certain outfits, but it was never because of what people online said to me. I never let right. them dictate my choices. I made all of those choices on my own and I'm very proud of myself for doing so and I really hope yeah. I just by posting it and never shying away from doing what I want to do, I hope I empower other women to do the same just to live their best life cuz when you live your life based on what this person this person want you to do, you're living such a small life and like we have one life to live, mm. like live it big as yeah. long as you're not hurting anyone just Live it big.
0: Love that. Love that yeah. message. And it definitely would be empowering yeah. to see someone like you spreading the message that it you is. are. Um, I love to hear that. I'm going to ask you kind of three questions in one. Firstly, what is your favorite thing about what you do? Secondly, what is the most exciting or fun project you've been a part of? And thirdly, what project are you most proud of?
2: The best part about what I do is I have been able to network and connect with so many amazing individuals. Um, so it's all of the beautiful connections I was able to make. Also, my boyfriend, we kind of found each other through social media. So I wouldn't have met him if it wasn't for social media. Um, and the project that I am most proud of is when we did this shoot with a clothing brand and my niece and my sister got to be a part of it. And yeah. in stores nationwide. But the best moment was I wasn't able to be up there in the moment. But my sister sent me a video of my niece going into the store. And she was so small, she couldn't see the photo. So my nephews like picked her up and showed her and she was so excited. <laughs> it's like, it's a memory I'll always hold dear to me because awesome. not only did I have that amazing opportunity but I got to share it with my niece and my sisters. So that's mm. what I was most excited about. Um, okay, let's see, project I'm most proud about. So I think the project I'm most proud about is during the pandemic, I started learning how to make sari blouses from my mom mm. and then I wanted to find a way because looking from a strategic point of view, if I ever wanted to make content full-time, I knew I had to develop different streams of income. So I wanted Mm -hmm. to see if there was any way I can turn this passion into a stream of income. So I thought, why not take the patterns that I use and put it online and sell it to others who are interested in making their own sorry blouses. And it was such a huge project. It took so much time out of me. I not only had to learn how to use this whole new software program where I could put the pattern into like a web version and figure out how to make it printable but i'm most proud of it because it was such a small project it's not like i make millions of dollars from it but it's the project that i put all my heart and hard work into yeah. and it required me to learn and it's just staying up figuring out how to do this this and that so i'm very proud of myself for completing it through and it's still up i still get girls using it and purchasing it and every time someone purchases i get like very excited about it yeah, <laughs> yeah i did say that it's such a brilliant yeah. idea yeah. i love that you actually did
1: think outside That's the awesome. box to figure out what else you can do and bring your passions to life in like a very tangible way as well. I love it. Um, when we started off as podcasters, one of the things that we really had to do was like, think about what was driving us, right? Like what we wanted to achieve through starting this podcast. And for us, obviously it's like shedding light on certain topics or putting out relevant content that can resonate with our audience and other people like us. As a digital creator, what messages do you want to stand for and convey throughout your platform? Like what's been sort of the goal for you in all of this and when you think about it, even from a long-term perspective?
2: I think I have a few different messages that I would love to get across, but one of them is definitely to empower women and men to just live their best lives. I hope when people see me just being authentically myself, online platform, they also feel empowered to just be authentically themselves and not have to fit into like this little box of what a good South Asian individual Mm -hmm. is, whether it's seeing me pursue my content creation dreams, I hope when I do it full time, I'm able to share my journey and really inspire others to go after their dreams and not be scared of risk. So whether it's like stepping out of their comfort zones on what the right path to do is career wise, or whether it's wearing what you want and not worrying about what this person mm. says so just being able to be themselves and not have to feel like they're constrained yeah. within a box just empower women to just live their best lives and men I don't want to leave the men out <laughs> 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 any anyone in my community i just want them to feel empowered to just be themselves and live their best lives and i think if I can even make one South Asian woman or man feel represented and seen through my content, whether it's seeing me work Mm. with the brand or seeing me get this cool opportunity and they feel like they can also reach their potential by seeing me do that then I'll feel happy. doesn't matter if I impact like one person or if I impact a hundred people, as long as I impact someone, I feel happy with the platform I've created. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I think you're already achieving a lot of that. So, Absolutely. Um, you've got a lot to definitely be proud of. Um, what exciting project really? do you have coming up?
2: So I've actually been working really hard to make content creation full time. And because I've been working so hard, I feel like you can see that in my content, like I've been putting a lot of effort into it and as a result i've gotten some really cool brands reach out to me and i've gotten more opportunities than i have probably in any of my previous content creation years which pushes me even further to be like this is the right step i gotta do it I have some really cool campaigns in the work and when i do make that step into full-time content creation i will let you guys know and we can have a little celebration yeah
1: absolutely (laughs) We end each episode with a thought-provoking question, and usually we let our previous guests leave one for our next guest. but Sennan and I are actually releasing a card game, um, or two card games as part of our podcast, Mm -hmm. both South Asian themed, of course. So one's a drinking game, the other one's a conversations game. So we thought to actually ask you one of the questions from our conversations game, because that's more of a deeper thought-provoking card game. Um so, that's so push-
2: exciting. Congratulations. That's such a pleasure. Thank you. Part. It's not out yet, yeah. but um almost there. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I'm actually so happy for you guys because I think that's such a cool concept because I'm someone who loves board games. I know this is not a board game, but I love the idea of having something that sparks conversation with your yeah. guests. So I love that idea. Oh my God, I'm so excited for you guys. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Me and my partner, like it's something that we are both gonna love. I just know it. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
1: awesome. awesome. Um, so our question for you from our conversations game is, how do you want to be remembered?
2: Oh, that's such a deep question. <laughs> it's a great question. I think I want to be remembered as someone that was very loving and kind to those around me. Like, I think when we're like, on our deathbed, it doesn't really matter the accomplishments you've made, you know, I feel like we're just going to remember those moments. Like, how did we make the people around us feel um so I just hope people remember me as like someone who's very loving and kind to them um I feel like that's the best way to be remembered
0: yeah Yeah. I feel like we've only met you today we've only been speaking for about an hour but Romy and I can both be quite confident that you'll be achieving that and you already have started to do that so yeah, no doubts. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. I really appreciate that.
1: Definitely. You know, a hundred (laughs) percent. I'm adding us a little bit, but we've got a Google doc Mm. where we kind of communicate like which questions next and stuff. And about like half an hour ago, I typed to say that she's so lovely. (laughs) So it definitely comes through Um, even during this conversation. So thank you. Thank (laughs) you. I really
2: appreciate that. You guys have both been very, very easy to talk to as well as I was nervous just because I'm not used to doing anything like this, but it has been very easy to talk to you both.
0: You didn't need oh, to be. You're
1: absolutely natural. Know. Thank you so much for <laughs> joining us. You are. Thank you so
2: much for coming on,
1: Dale. We really, really appreciate
2: it. Thank you. I look forward to seeing like your game like launch. I'm very, very excited <laughs> for you guys. Honestly, I I feel like. I don't know why it was but when you guys reached out to me something just made me be like hey let me just give it a shot with them like I'll do my first podcast with them and I'm really happy I did because it was very it was a really sweet experience and thank you guys so much it was so great talking to you thank you
0: thanks so much for listening everyone again we are so grateful to have had some of Dia's time make sure to check her out on Instagram at Dea Kanisha
1: as we mentioned in the intro, we're getting closer and closer to the launch of our card games. It's been a long process to get it out to all of you and we appreciate the ongoing support and excitement about its release. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at stuckinbetween underscore to stay tuned.
0: Join us next time for our interview with Dinesh Palipana, a disability advocate who is only the second person with quadriplegia to graduate as a medical doctor in Australia. Now, that's just one of the many accomplishments and reasons that make him such an inspiring role model. So we can't wait for you to hear more about his story and message. But until then, we'll see you next time.
1: Bye.